Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I am your host, Wanda Howard. We have with us today Ryan Naris, and I am excited to dive into his story. He has a very unique um, just origin story where he came from literally nothing and built an incredible financially free life and is doing amazing work to help other people do the same. And I'm going to let him tell his story because I don't want to give away any of the <laughs> any of the secrets. So welcome, Ryan, to the show. Wanda, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I absolutely love being a father and I absolutely love being an entrepreneur. And people ask me all the time, what do you do? What makes you excited? It, what are your hobbies? And my response is, well, I'm an entrepreneur and a parent. So, <laughs> so that's about it. Maybe I can watch my beloved Carolina Panthers every now and again. That's, that's, that's all we got time for. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. So just a brief about me. Uh, before we hit play, you and I were, were chatting I'm a 90s kid, so born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, so I'm a true 90s kiddo, pre-internet, pre-cell phone, all that fun stuff, so I'll be able to share with my kids and grandkids. <laughs> I remember the time where you had a phone book. You don't even know what that is. Yeah, that little save <laughs> icon was, we called that a floppy disk. You know, okay, dad, can we go get smoothies now? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so that's that's a bit about me and Wanda, you also being a 90s kiddo, you know what we were told growing up, which was, hey, go to college, you study hard in high school, go to college, then you get a great job and maybe you get a pension, you retire easy. And we've lived through how many once in a lifetime financial crises now? Yeah. Between COVID and 2008 and the dot com bubble. It's just, it's crazy. Even if you even want to throw in the 1987 stock market crash, I was technically alive for that. It's just, yeah, it's not what it was when our grandparents were, and even our parents were the the boomer generation and the greatest generation, the World War II generation. It's just, well, and I would even throw in that even if it is like it was, why are we still depending? on the government or all these outside sources to take care of us when we have seen over and over that things crash. Yeah. Right. And, and by the way, to your point, plenty of, of companies that had wonderful pension plans for our grandparents and our parents failed. People still got laid off. You could not necessarily always count on those things. And, and that's ultimately what I realized is I don't want to call it a, I don't want to call it a lie. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like the word lie comes with a really negative connotation of intent to deceive. I think it was more of a rallying cry that was just misinformed, which is study really hard and good things will happen. Work really hard and good things are, will happen. And I think what I've seen is life is not fair. It just isn't. And I hate to say this, but it's it's all on you. Uh, and and now I feel like as an uh, an entrepreneur who made a big bet on myself, and it thankfully knock on wood 
panned out and will hopefully continue to pan out. I, I got to keep that humility that it, it may go all go away. You know, I, I still feel the odds of, of it all going away are less likely than if I had stayed at my really nice bank job. I worked a wonderful job at Wells Fargo. Nothing negative to say about Wells Fargo, nothing negative to say about the job. But I think I would have been much more likely to have been a victim of a layoff that's completely out of my control, whether I'm good and hard hardworking and have, you know, put in the loyalty and the time. Yeah um versus my company going to zero it might it's not zero percent chance but when you put it in perspective like that this idea of man go to you know stress out and and miss out on all the great things that high school provided by being super stressed about getting good grades and getting into a university and you know working really hard there and getting a pile of student loan debt and oh by the way guess who's sitting next to you Aunt Becky from was that Full House's kid is sitting next to you and she barely finished high school, but Aunt Becky paid some dude to get her into this good school. You're like, so life's not fair, right? And what does it mean? What does it mean? Like, uh, so I've bought a little bit about me. Yeah, I've, I had no money. I was a typical millennial, mountain of student loan debt, paycheck to paycheck or worse, had to move in with my parents and went doubled down on the education thing went back and got a master's degree because maybe that's maybe that's the ticket right and i have nothing negative to say about wake forest university i love wake forest university i i'm a hardcore wake forest diehard fan and and was happy to have gone not once but twice to get my master's in business as well as psychology undergrad but man that name wake forest university it's not ivy league but it's pretty darn good got me interviews, got me in the door, got me respect. But then once you were in that door, didn't matter. Now it's on you to prove that you had value as a potential employee. And and what I found over and over again is just like you said, Wanda, ain't nobody going to give you anything. Doesn't matter. And so I woke up one day and I'm like, man, look how hard I'm working for these companies that'll lay me off in a second. Like, Am I going to work really hard for 10 years and someone, you know, my boss knock on my door and be like, good work, kid. Here's a million dollars. No, but my business, if I start a business that goes really well, someone might, a private equity shop or a bigger, you know, conglomerate might knock on my door and be like, hey, what do you think? You want to sell? Then all of a sudden I work really hard and here's a million dollars. <laughs> and that's so, one of the things that's so like, we keep saying it's all on you, right. but it that's a good thing. If it's all on you, you get to decide who are you willing to take the risks for, an employer or yourself. So it's it, yeah, it's totally this double-sided sword, and it's which one are you willing to do? For me, it was it was I I, I hesitate to say it was a no-brainer because it was really really difficult. Totally, but it was ultimately a no-brainer because to me with no money and no network and no experience. I have this wonderful master's degree that came with a pile of student loan debt and uh, this wonderful cushy bank job that is just a guaranteed middle-class lifestyle. Nothing wrong with that. And my wife thought I was crazy when I was like, no, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to make less than half of what I'm making. Not going to have any benefits. We're going to move into a mobile home. And we're going to try to buy mobile home parks and build an empire out of it. 
Holy cow. So is that what, that's what you did, right? Was you started buying all those mobile home parks Mm -hmm. and that's how you started generating cash flow that enabled you to be an entrepreneur. Right. So I had my MBA internship in Miami, Florida, and my wife could not come with me. She had to stay in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is where Wake Forest University is. And so it was really tough because we were away from each other for a summer. So anybody who's ever done a long distance relationship who's listening in, I feel you. (laughs) I feel you. And I came back and I mean, I had discovered mobile home parks while I was in Miami, Florida, uh, working for Carnival Cruise Lines Corporate. Wonderful uh, company to have worked for. Was excited to go to work for them after um, my MBA ended up staying in Charlotte, North Carolina, working for Wells Fargo. But, you know, I discovered mobile home parks and I came home and I was like, sweetheart, I've, I finally found, I know what I'm meant to do when I grow up and we're going to do it. And I'm so excited. We're going to buy mobile home parks. And she was what like, she, she was like, welcome home from Miami. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> And then what I, you know, it took me a year to get traction. So we didn't buy our first mobile home park for, we we started in July of 2015 and we bought our first in September of 2016. So call it 14 months. And then I didn't really, we bought our second one in July of 17, or sorry, January of 2017. And our third in June of 2017, really July. So it really took two years to get enough cash flow to quit. And enough cash flow meant, paying myself $35,000 a year, living in a mobile home and no benefits, no nothing, no health insurance covered by the company, no 401k, none of that. And living in a mobile home. And And did you have kids this time? I didn't. I didn't. But I don't want that to be an excuse for your listeners. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because my wife right now, she will say this on record. We go to zero today. We're in a mobile home tomorrow. Not even thinking about it. You know, at the, yeah, we'll see at the, my wife, just like myself, we grew up middle class. And if you read rich dad, poor dad, you know, we both were just indoctrinated by just kind of the axioms of the middle class, which, you know, try to keep as little debt as possible, work for a really good company, study really hard, you know, drink the Kool-Aid of your corporate masters, basically. And it takes a long time to beat that out of you, that mindset. It just does. And it takes a lot of courage to quit your job um, and to move into a mobile home park and to be a property manager. I was, I paid basically how I got full time because I didn't have any money to invest in these deals. And if you are a real estate guy or gal, you know that you fight for sweat equity, but that doesn't pay out until you execute the business plan, which can take years. So in other words, like, you're I'm buying these mobile home parks, they're going well, but you know, every dollar that we make, we're pumping it back into the property, right? So in other words, it's going to take a while to refinance or sell to get that big capital pop. So I'm looking at the pro form and I go, wait a minute, we have $35,000 pegged for a property manager. What if I, and, and free rent, basically, what if I just paid myself 35,000 bucks a year and I did that job? And I lived on site. I would probably learn everything there is to know about these mobile home parks. Oh, and by the way, I uh, will be full time. So I won't have to worry about getting up before the sun, you know, rises, getting home, you know, when the sun sets. So it's dark 
you know, and all the the daylight hours are spent in an office building, you know, I I can, you know, when it's slow, be working on growing me and my business so I can go all in and get paid enough to eat. I was like, you know, I got to do it. I got to make this bet. And my wife hated it at first. And, and, and we did a whole episode on my podcast where she just, just let it all hang out. I mean, she told the whole world. And I, and this is one of my favorite podcast episodes on my podcast and, and usually is the most complimented and you, you all, it's always by married people, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> yeah. um, single folks never, never uh, comment on it. Um, but you know, ultimately it was really, really, really tough to win her over. And now that she's in, she's like, I, if we have to move into a mobile home again, we're taking both kids. If we have to get paid next to nothing, so be it. There's plenty of neighbors in, in our mobile home parks who have next to, you know, that, that live this lifestyle. We are just addicted, um, you know, to the drug of the middle-class lifestyle. And it, you know, like Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from, uh, whatchamacallit, um, says uh, uh shark tank says he's like you know a, a salary is uh, the opiate that you know you get addicted to to forget your dreams stop chasing your dreams so it's a very what long-winded way of saying yeah i gotta ask though what was sure. it that helped you like get past that because it's not that sure. the corporate world is a bad place to be or that this it's is not like, got to get out of it it's just there's something in your soul as an entrepreneur that you just want to live different but like you said, that's a lot of layers to get through. It's a lot of fear to overcome. So what was that spark for you that kept having you keep going? That's a great question. And I'm glad you brought that up. So for me, it was, you know, there's, it, it's, it's a gradual effect. It's not a moment in time. And I know Hollywood wants it to be a moment in time, but, but several things happen. I worked at a car dealership. So I had the wonderful timing of graduating undergrad from a wonderful school, Wake Forest University in 2009. And no one was hiring. So I ended up having to work for a car dealership. And that was like one of the best things I could have ever done because I just learned so much. I built so many wonderful skills. But I remember early on, I was sitting down with a veteran and a finance person and, and a salesperson. And they all looked at me and they're like, you're really smart. You went to Wake Forest University. You're selling like crazy. You're clearly a talented dude. You will never be a GM. I was like, what? And like, look at the name on the building. Okay. Tell me who's the GM. I mean, that's kind of a negative way to look at it, but okay. Noted. You're not a blue blood. Hmm. Noted. Okay. Um, nepotism. I get it. All right. Fine. Life's not fair. Whatever. But I remember in that moment being like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prove to you guys that I can do this. And I was like, yeah, rah, rah. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then I went, wait a minute. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to make like three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, work six out of seven days a week, have 200 plus people reporting to me and, 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 and when the guy whose name is on the building shows up twice a year in his Ferrari to celebrate us winning the zone and goes back to his country club. It's like, I want to be that guy. It's like, if I'm going to work this hard, like, why not? I keep more of the pie, so to speak, even if it's a smaller pie. And it was that moment, it was reading books because again, I was indoctrinated into middle-class lifestyle. You have to beat that out of your head. Whether you're, you're either born with a parent like me who is going to indoctrinate you on how to overcome fear because that's what it is. The fear doesn't go away. 
Yeah. You just get good at managing the fear. Like even to this, I bought 80. So I forgot to mention this. Flash forward from 2015 to today, uh, February of 2023, when Wanda and I are recording this, I have now bought 80 properties, 78 mobile home parks, two RV parks, uh, 4,200 units, give or take, all with no money when I started out. No money, no experience, <laughs> no network, no excuse. Oh, you didn't have kids. I don't care. Like I would have moved a child with me into a mobile home. By the way, my wife is all about it. I don't want to hear, oh, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You're choosing not to. I don't want to hear that. I had something to lose. You know, rapper Little Dicky says this, and it's amazing. In one of his raps with uh, Snoop Dogg, he says, I wasn't one of those kids up on the block with nothing to lose. I must have wanted this a lot. I had something to choose. And that is so freaking powerful, man, because I had something to choose. I had a nice home. I had a nice job, my MBA, I could have paid it off, I could have retired uh, one day and just lived the middle-class lifestyle. I had something to choose. And I said, no, I'm going to give all that up to chase a dream. That's really, really, really hard. And I don't care who you are, you have to find a way to build that inner strength up to take that big bet on yourself. But there's two more things I'll add um, into like the kind of gradual story that got me there beyond reading all the books. Because again, couldn't get it from my friends or my parents. Um, I had to get it from books mm-hmm. um, because everybody around me was middle class. I didn't know any rich people, any any wealthy people. I had to get it from books. Um, and it was it was reading feverishly. And then one other moment was really pivotal uh, when I was I was selling cars at the dealership and I was playing basketball. I was like 24 years old and I sprained my ankle playing basketball and I called in sick basically because I couldn't walk. You know, you can't sell a car if you can't. Yeah. <laughs> And I called in sick. And then yeah, I remember talking to my boss and they're like, you have sick days, you can use them. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I can't walk. I was like, can you send me some extreme leads and I'll just, you know, make my, you know, make phone calls while I'm at home basically. And they're like, I don't worry about it. And I sat back and I went, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get paid. I'm commission only. I literally that day went out and bought uh, crutches and I was at work the next day with, you know, my leg wrapped up and trying to sell cars on crutches. I wish I could say I sold a car that day, but I did not. All of those things combined just let me know, like, look, I have a ticking clock here. Um, Eventually, my body's not going to work anymore. And these people, you know, they're blue blood. You're not a blue blood. Fine, I'm not lucky, right? I wasn't born with anything. Okay, I'm going to go and make my own luck. I'm going to go and read all the books. I'm going to go and network and go and meet wealthy people. I'm going to go and beat this middle-class mindset out like rich dad, poor dad talks about. And look, it's all going to fall on my shoulders. I'm going to do this. And the number one thing, Wanda, I will say, which ties into your podcast, the number one reason, the number one thing that was like the final thing that really I credit myself for for doing it, throw all of this out the window. Like I I said, before we hit record, my kids, my at the time, my future kids, but even today, even more poignant today, um, my kids aren't going to do what I, they tell I tell them to do. They're going to do what I do. They're going to do what I do. They're going to do what I do, not what I say. The best way to teach is to lead as a parent is to lead by example. And what better message do I have for my kids, win or lose, by the way, yeah. to say your dad overcame insurmountable fear is what it felt like at times to leave a cushy job to have all your friends and family and your spouse look at you like you're nuts, right? To chase a dream. 
And if it didn't work out at a, as an 80 year old, looking back on my life, I probably would have looked back and been like, you know what? It didn't work out, but what a young whippersnapper, man. I, I was, I had some courage, <laughs> man. I'm yeah. proud of my younger self, you know, versus, you know, am I going to say at 80, like, gl- I'm glad I stayed at that corporate cushy job, man. Whoa. I could have lost it all. Like, no, when you're 80 on your deathbed, you're going to be thinking, oh, man, glad I made some conservative choices with my financial future. No, you're going to be like, man, I'm proud of myself for having the courage to do that. Oh, by the way, and it might work. And you may make millions of dollars and, you know, be able to work from home and all that jazz. So it's uh, definitely more worth it, though, to live life than just stay safe. Yes. And one thing that I want to point out, too, that you kept bringing up over and over this beautiful pattern that to in order to be able to become financially free, to gain wealth, all of those things. Mm -hmm. The very first thing that you did over and over was the books, was the mindset, was changing the inside of you first, because none of that happens. The outside manifestation of wealth does not happen until you actually know how to um, do the internal work to overcome those fears, to know how to use the money, to know what to be looking for, to pay attention, because no amount of money is going to start making you feel fulfilled or satisfied or like you've made it. It needs to be something that you generate first within you. And that's, and you brought that up and over and over and over in your story. And I love that principle. So now I want to like fast forward to right now as a dad, um, financial freedom, you have these two little kiddos now with your newborn and you're in that phase of little toddlers. So what is it right now with raising your kids that is your biggest, like, we all know that balancing work life and home life is not really possible because there's not this quote unquote balance, right. but there is these aims and these goals that we have, these ambitions and dreams that we want those two uh, relationships to intermingle with each other. So what is it right now that you are doing as a father and as an entrepreneur to balance your home and family? Well, first off, I will say it certainly helps a lot when you own your own business and you can work at home in your pajamas. So (laughs) when you're not sleeping and changing uh, an unlimited number of poopy diapers, it certainly helps where I don't have to get up early, shower, go to work. I can roll out of bed work when I want to, um, change a poopy diaper when I want to. So look, it's it, it doesn't make it easier. I mean, I hear people all the time like, man, I wish I was at home with my kids a little bit more. Well, I am. And let me tell you, it is very stressful. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, you know, I wish I could go into the office today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I will say like, it is just incredible. I think my favorite part of my day is first thing in the morning is I go and I wake my son up and get him ready for the day. And it is just the most wonderful, magical, amazing thing to uh, to walk in, and he's excited to see me every morning. He's like, "Hey, Daddy!" You know, and like that's, um, that's great. Yeah. like my heart has melted. And like, what are you going to do to me realistically on this day? Like that is this has started out so wonderfully well. So, you know, look, it's it's a challenge. You know, it, kids are really difficult. They have to learn boundaries, and they have to learn where to tinkle, and they have to they look to you for guidance because you are all they have, you know, you're all they know. They have experienced this much of what you've experienced and um, balancing that with a very demanding 
job with thousands. I have thousands of people that live in my communities and I am, I was literally talking to someone today and I was like, we are going to fight to try our best to keep our costs down. So we don't have to raise rent or raise rent as much um, as, as we feel is necessary. Cause I, I know what it's like to live in a mobile home and I know what it's like to have kids. And, and although that those two didn't happen concordantly for me, at least maybe it will in the future. And it hasn't yet. Um, I, I feel your pain, you know, so, you know, how do you, how do you balance work and, and, and being a father? Well, I'll say first off, you have an incredibly strong partner. I mean, I'm so proud and I'm so in love with my wife and she's an unbelievably competent human being, a wonderful mother. She's just, just great at those types of things and, and compliments me very well and, and vice versa. She also is my 50-50 business partner as well. So she brings a lot of knowledge and, and int- intellect and hard work to the business. And between the two of us, we like an entrepreneur, you wear many, many hats, right? You, I did my own accounting for years and still do. Um, you know, you I just, you wear many hats and I do a little bit more of the business side. She does a little less of the business side. She does a lot more of the parenting. I do a little bit less of the parenting, but I mean, by the way, my son may storm in here and any second like, dad. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Well, um, kids are yeah. always welcome. Definitely. Yeah. I, I also want to bring up though, this beautiful thing that you said, because oftentimes I feel like as parents, mm-hmm. we're trying to do everything and we're trying to find that one thing to make the difference, to help us have sanity, to know that our kids are emotionally healthy, to just feel like we're doing what we need to be doing as parents. But what you said, simple, basic, it's not rocket science, was the morning routine, like mm-hmm. being able to wake up and see your son. That is something that I think so many people it's so easy to feel like that's not enough. That's not a good enough thing. That's not, I'm not doing enough for my kid, but having like having your son, you said how much joy you get out of seeing the joy in his face when he sees you. Imagine what that's like for him to see his dad full of joy every morning to see him. And that is, that's huge. So definitely people who are listening, don't discount those small moments. If as long as you are enjoying them, your kids are going to be thriving as well. Um, I couldn't agree more. I also want to ask you too, what are like the three top to-do list things on your list right now as an entrepreneur and father? Look, I, my my to-do list as an entrepreneur is never ending. But, you know, as, as a dad, I've got a three-year-old. So if we could tingle in the right place, that would be great. <laughs> Uh, we are we are trying positive reinforcement, so we are bribing him with chocolates. <laughs> I love it. And it's it, he's a really clever kiddo, so he thinks sometimes if he just goes and sits on the potty that he gets a chocolate. So we're still it's still trying to fight through making the association, and and even then he still tickles in his in his underwear. It's you know it's priority for me. It's like if we can at least get him out of diapers and only have one kiddo in diapers, <laughs> that would be Such great. And then for. <laughs> For, for my daughter, uh, my newborn daughter, man, it would be great if she stopped scratching herself. So we tried to file her nails, but she loves to dig in. And otherwise, she's a really good little baby. So, you know, small stuff, man. I, I would say the really the number one thing for me 
as a parent on on my to-do list and, and this spills over into entrepreneurship too really is I want to have better character and I want to have better willpower. I want to have more humility. And, you know, I, I think the older I get, the more I realize how wonderful kindness is. And it is so darn easy to get mad at your job or mad at someone who's suing you or having to sue someone or your employee is not showing up on time or your, your Carolina Panthers end up not even making the playoffs, right? Like there's so many things that you could choose to pay attention to that'll bring you down. And there are so many things you could choose that could just make your life wonderful. And and there are so many decisions you can make either being mean, even if justified or being kind, even when it doesn't make sense to be kind. Because, you know, when I look back on my life and I think about, you know, what are my regrets? you know, it's, it, it, it almost always revolves around the moment when I was mean to someone and just thinking back in time and I, and I cringe. And and of course we all cringe at the awkward moments in our life. Fine. But like really the moments where I'm like, gosh, I really wish I didn't do the something or I really wish I had done something um, beyond like, cause obviously your mind rushes. Oh man, I could have made more money if I did blah, you know, as a regret. No, I mean, a, a real, real regret. If you take money and and, st- and achievements out, really, it all comes down to kindness. And I think the more willpower I have, uh, obviously getting screamed at by a three-year-old while changing a baby's diaper, you know, where, where the three-year-old is trying to, trying to give baby sister a kiss and she's like pulling her pillow off the table while you're tra- like, oh my gosh, my baby could fall and hit the ground. And my three-year-old like, ah! you know, like having more willpower is absolutely... Uh, a, a priority for me. And then as a business owner, it's really hard because sometimes you need to be a complete cold-hearted sociopath for the health of your business. But at the same time, trying to balance that with kindness, I still think you can be pro-business and and make really tough decisions while being kind. Yeah. You know, I have to evict people and it's really tough to evict people, even if it's well-deserved in their drug dealers or criminals or animal beaters or child beaters, which we had, which was horrible. Even still, I, I still think even when you're dealing with some of the most vile uh, things human beings are capable of, I, I still think kindness is just absolutely a wonderful virtue. And again, that doesn't mean kind to take advantage of me. You can still be firm and kind, just like your kids you got to have that respect with your kids, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> well, think, no, we're not pulling our sister down, right? But kindness yeah. is, is is really it. Well, I think that's a beautiful example where your son is like wanting so badly to give your daughter a kiss and to cuddle her and to help her. But to notice that maybe at that moment, pulling the pillow out from under her head might not be the kindest way to, to go about it. Right. Um, I think though, too, this is it's so easy to be like, well, I want to be kind to everybody around me. And and we feel that frustration and this guilt of how are we supposed to do that in every given moment when you said like, sometimes you need to be firm and you need to stand up for yourself. One thing that I have learned though, over and over as a mom and as an entrepreneur, as a wife is, are you being kind to yourself? Like you are a human that deserves that same amount of kindness that you give to everybody else. And if you fail to give yourself that kindness, you will fail more often than not to give that kindness to others too. So 
the more often you give yourself that kindness, the more capable you will be of giving it out to uh, others. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Look, I, I'm just a firm believer in love and forgiveness. And and mm-hmm. it's always got to start with yourself. Yeah. So what is it right now that you hope that your main focus is to be able to pass down to your son? What's the main tradition that you have in your home to help your kid be who you want them to be in the future? You know, that's a really interesting question. And I'd like to think I have a really interesting answer. So I would like to think that I have lifted. So my grandfather lifted him. So my grandfather, my great grandfather, all almost all of my great grandparents came over from Europe. Oh, wow. So I've got Irish, Lithuanian, Polish. I got all sorts of mutt, and almost everybody. But I believe my maternal grandfather's side were the only ones that were here and had been here for a while. Otherwise, they all came over dirt poor. In fact, my Irish side, which is crazy, a lot of them came over and got stuck. Like they just came to visit and they got stuck because of World War One. It's crazy to think about. And and they came over, they got stuck. They were dirt poor. And then my grandfather was call you call him working class and then my dad middle class and then me i would like to think i've i'm flirting with or i'm on the doorstep of upper class you know wealthy i would like to think that you know and i think in terms of like what traditions i have my father gave me a new set of traditions than his father my grandfather gave him and and so on and so i think in terms of you know, what happens from here over the course of a couple of generations with my family is I think we have our own path to make and our own traditions to create. And the the thing is, you know, my dad said this and it really resonated with me. He was like, you know, if you or your brother wanted to be a college professor in marketing, I could tell you every step to take because that's what I am. And that's what I do. You know, my brother and I were both meant to be entrepreneurs. So my dad's like, I can't help you. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, man, I there's certain things. I'm one of the most motivated, disciplined people when I want something. And if I don't absolutely want it with my entire core, I am useless as a human. <laughs> like, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. If I don't absolutely want it with my core, I'm, I'm below average, probably in every every category. And because of that, it's just an extreme example of you need to find what your heart is calling you to do, which is, you know, again, you asked that earlier, like, do you feel like, you know, you just were being called to be an entrepreneur? Yes. And the the thing about, you know, my kids is I, I didn't discover mobile home parks until I was in my late 20s. And I consider myself lucky to have found it that early. Um, you know, some people don't even ever figure out what they want to be when they grow up. So, you know, my focus for my kids is in you know, the tradition I think I, I hope to instill and pass down generations for, for me is you need to be super patient with your kids. You need to allow them to go and find where their heart is pulling them to. If it's art and they're never going to make any money, but they're going to be stupid happy. Oh my gosh, don't tell them to go be a doctor, right? Like don't tell them they have to go to college and amass student loan debt. They're never going to pay back because they're always going to be a starving artist, right? But if they wake up one day and they're like, I want to be a doctor. Like cardiovascular surgery is fascinating to me. Like, oh my gosh, go chase it with all your heart. Like that's going to be the big thing for me, Wanda, is I, I'm going to do my best. Willpower, remember, 
do my best to be patient with my children and to show them opportunities and still encourage them to work really, really hard. But I just don't want kind of like all my, my friends from India say, they're like, our parents always want us to be doctors. And, and so it, like the, the joke my Indians friends have uh, are, are they're like, yeah, my kids don't know what they want to be. Guess I'll just be a doctor. And, you know, <laughs> like that's funny. But like at the same time, it's like, gosh, but what if your heart's calling you to be something else and your folks are just, you know, beating you? Oh, you have to do this. You because that's the way like I, I don't care. Like if you have money, all money does is it, it makes you more comfortable. That's it. If you as a human being have problems, you're going to continue to have problems. You're just going to have a little bit of money. You know, Jim Rohn says that he's like, money just makes you more of whatever you are. So if you are a damaged human being, now you're a damaged human being who can, you know, like, like they, the, the popular phrase going around right now, hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are a hurt person, and you are going to hurt people because you are a hurt person. Now you have a money stick. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very long winded way of saying, I hope I teach my kids kindness and I hope I have the patience to help them find whatever their calling in life is and, and to be supportive, even if it's something I find to be utterly ridiculous. I don't care. I want to see that, that insanely happy smile on their faces. That's so beautifully put. And I, it is so cool to meet parents and to be able to have these conversations where that is the driving force. Because yes, financially, uh, wealth and everything, that is something that we need to think about. That's something that helps us. It's not bad at all. But there are so many other kinds of currency in our life. If we are trading right. our self-worth or our peace or our happiness for the currency of money, it's it's going to be bad. Like we need to have sure. make sure that they're all in alignment. So what a beautiful tradition and gift to pass down to your son. One last question. Sure. For those who are interested in who you are, your story and what you're doing, and they want to get to know, like, how did you do it? And and the finite details, where do they go? How can they connect with you? So like my like my favorite rapper, Tupac, said, I ain't hard to find. <laughs> To my knowledge, I am the only Ryan Neris in existence. If there's another Ryan Neris out there, I got you beat on Google SEO, my friend. <laughs> so uh, I am very easy to find my LinkedIn and or my website or number one, number two, when you Google me. Uh, my company's Archimedes Group. My podcast is MHPIRL. That stands for Mobile Home Parks in Real Life. If you are not interested in mobile home parks, I don't blame you. They're hard, (laughs) but I have a lot of wealth mindset, entrepreneurial stuff on there that I I literally have an episode called starting with nothing where I do not leave much to the imagination in terms of what it took for me to get full time in my dream and reach out to me like one, I can't thank you enough for for having me on. One one thing that we didn't get to that I really want to mention right now is why am I here? Why am I on here? Why do you when you go to my website, you see I was on 80 something podcasts? And the truth of the matter is I have found that my calling in life isn't just to be a mobile home park owner, but it is someone who is put here in this earth for whatever reason. And I feel like I've I've got a skill set and a passion and a network and stuff I've worked really, really hard to build. 
And I think I can help people with that. And I think if I'm on my deathbed, obviously I'm going to be thinking about my friends and my family and, and stuff. You know, the next thing I'm going to be thinking about is, you know, what did I do with my time? And I am convinced, I'm convinced that if I can honestly tell myself in my dying moments that I did as much as I could to make this world a better place because I was here. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know who put me here or any of that. Those fun philosophical questions. But I do know one thing. I, I do believe I have the control to make this place better because I was in it. And I think that is going to make me happy when I'm on my deathbed. And by the way, that makes me happy today. And why is that relevant to going on podcasts? Because I want people to know that I want to make the world a better place. And I don't need anything from you. I don't need a penny. I don't want your investment. I don't need your investment dollars. I don't need you to bring me mobile home parks to buy. I don't have a training course I'm trying to sell. I want to make the world a better place. And if you've heard my words and you're inspired and you have questions, I ain't hard to find. In fact, I'm here because I want you to find me. You better reach out. Seriously, I want to make the world a better place. And if my words can inspire others to go out and do the same, to go, wow, you know what? Money, yeah, it's great. But like helping people really brings me true happiness. Like if I can inspire you and then you go out and tell 15 people and you inspire 15 people, we got ourselves a nice little chain reaction going here. So I think I can help people in scale by putting out this good, positive, warm, free message I don't want your money. I mean that. Like, <laughs> please reach out to me. If 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 you've heard me and you're like, gosh, this guy really res this re like he he just I am that. I just don't know how to get to where he is. Oh my gosh, reach out to me. That's why I'm here. So join me, Wanda, and everybody listening. Let's make this world a better place. That is a beautiful invitation, Ryan. Thank you so much. And everybody listening, definitely take advantage of it. People like Ryan are. Um, one in a million. And when you can truly tap into those brains and surround yourself with people that not just financially, but that have the inner workings of financial freedom, have that mindset, it is a game changer. So definitely take him up on that invitation, reach out to him. I will provide his links down below as well in the, uh, what are they called? The show notes. There we go. And we will see you all next time. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to wandahoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.